0: Welcome to another episode of Once Upon a Nightmare. I am your host, Lorraine Purden, and I am here to discuss the fictional horrors of the world, and sometimes they might be real. This one is by far fiction, I very much hope, and I'd like to think that there are not farmers out there making this kind of scarecrow to away the birds, but you know, it could happen. This is a 2017 film, Scarecrows. Is gonna be legendary. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited too. And I've got one more surprise before we hit Paradise Beach! All right? Let's go! It's weird. What? The bird. Aren't scarecrows supposed to scare off birds? Obviously, this farmer doesn't know what scary means. Ah! Someone took the car? Crows was directed by Stuart Stone. He also wrote it along with Adam Rodness. It's not on for very long. It's only on for an hour and 20 minutes and it grossed just over $15,000. It has quite a small cast. We have Hannah Gordon as Ash, Mike Taylor as Farbzi, Umed Amin as Eli, Mara Ziv as Devon, Jason J. Thomas as the father aka the farmer and Derek Kristoff as the son. Scarecrows follows four teenagers into the countryside. They are in search of a lagoon because they want to go for a swim. The boys very much want to get the girls into that lagoon. And while on their adventure, they become the prey for a farmer who has some sinister plans in mind for all of them, should he capture them. When we meet the farmer at the beginning, we simply see him carrying a cross with what you assume is a scarecrow made out of old clothes and stuffing. But as he erects the scarecrow in the field, the camera zooms right in on the face. And the face has been covered with a cloth and we can see behind it, with two little cuts where the eyes are, two eyes are peering out at you, they're human eyes. And this person is alive and about to be attacked by some crows. And this scene basically sets us up for the whole film. It lets us know what we're in for, We know that this guy is making scarecrows out of people. So you know this from the offset of what is going to happen when he captures anyone. So you know basically that something's going to happen to one, two, three or four of these teens. Crows can be quite aggressive birds. And if you're unable to defend yourself, apparently they can go for the eyes. But according to the bird watching site in America, they're actually quite harmless and they won't actually do anything unless they feel like they're in danger. Now, when they do feel like they're in danger, all bets are off. And this isn't just directed to people, it's also directed to animals too. Basically, you kind of need to stay out of their space. If they feel like you're in their habitat, or you're getting too close to their young, or they're hungry, then they can get rather pecky with those sharp beaks. Um, Strangely though, and I didn't know this, they are quite intelligent birds who apparently can tell whether a person is going to attack them or not just by how they happen to be walking towards them. So if they see that they're coming towards them just because they happen to be in the same area and they're walking by, they're leave them alone. But if they feel that they're coming to hurt them, then they're attack. I thought that was pretty smart. But when it comes to movies, I suppose this isn't the first time we've seen what they use crows for. We have Hitchcock's The Birds from 63. Now that's very overkill with birds. I cover that in episode 18. And I think there's one one of the Omen films, I think it's the second one we see it. So when we tend to see these crows in films, we associate them with something bad is about to happen. But from what I've read about crows, it sounds like they get a bit of a bad rap and they're just minding their business until you bother them. So you leave them alone, they'll leave you alone. But then on that note, I suppose it is a bit unfair for this first person that we see. We don't really get to know this character, but we, you know, we only see her eyes and She's not actually doing anything wrong. She's been put there. She's not trying to attack, but I suppose she is in their habitat. So this is why the crow goes for her. And then we move on to the other main characters and we see there are four of them pretty much straight away and we don't really care about them. Maybe Ash, you kind of like her towards the end, but they're just kind of a, quite an unpleasant bunch. The boys are just very horny all the time and very interested in getting their leg over the two girls. Devon she is a complete cow. She makes a move on Ash's boyfriend and he goes for it. Just a few minutes before, he had promised her, you know, that he would be faithful when he goes off to university and he gave her a promise ring. And, you know, it's kind of all these different things. Yes, Devon goes for him, but he's not very loyal. And it's just all this kind of like, You know, horror film style, they they get all very horny and they do things they shouldn't, and that is always their downfall. And this is this is basically the personality of the cast, as in, they don't really have one, apart from maybe Ash, like I said. But, you know, let's be honest, these types of films, they're not really designed for us to care. We never really care about the teens or young adults in them. They make them so unlikable. And, you know, they don't really seem too bright, and you know, it does show quite the stupidity of certain young men who will do whatever it takes if they think that they're going to get some. But before they go off in search of this lagoon on a hot day, you know, with no supplies, uh, the two men are like waiting in the car. I think the girls have gone off for a pee or something. And while they're sat there, it's, it looks like there used to be like a petrol station there because I think there was like an old, um, petrol pump and they're just sat in their car. And this finger like lands on their, uh, front window and they do freak out a bit but this for me would be like a a reason to kind of leave but again they're so interested in getting these girls into this lagoon going skinny dipping that they don't tell them and if that isn't bad enough when they're walking towards the lagoon trying to find it they're going like through some fields and they come across another finger And they're not even horrified. They're just more like grossed out. And then they try and convince the girls that, you know, oh, it wasn't that. And so that's two fingers, but yet they still keep going. And you kind of think, does it not enter your head that isn't this a really strange occurrence that you're in the middle of nowhere and they're not alarmed and there's fingers just about. Eli does make a bit of a fuss, but then the chance of like some sexy time with Ash is more important and it's just really frustrating. So they do make their way down to this lagoon. They find it. And of course, you know, people are getting it on. And then it's time to go. And the car that they had has disappeared. So help is needed. Now, Eli and Devon decide to go. Now, Eli first says he's going. And Devon is very insistent that she goes with him because Farbsey has, um, he's hurt himself. And this is when we get that confirmation that these are people that we don't really care about. So as they head off, this is when Devon, she really makes a move on him. And, you know, he does that little bit at the beginning where he's like, no, I can't. Oh, I couldn't possibly. You know what I mean? And sorry, that was, <laughs> was me pretending to kiss. Um, honestly, I'm better at than that. And uh, so, but he goes for it. And I think like the relationship between Devin and Ash, it seems quite damaged anyway, because they are quite horrible to each other. You think they're meant to be friends. But Devon is one of those girls that, or people, because I've seen boys do this too, that needs to prove that they can get someone that somebody else has just so they can say they could. And I mean, that's something that I, of course, I'm not on board with. I think it's absolutely disgusting and pathetic when people do that. Um, you know, it, it's, she didn't even fancy him. It was just like, I can have him too. And This is what her downfall is, because even when she does go off with Farbsie, who she was with in the skinny dipping, she doesn't even seem to really like him. So it's like, I don't know, maybe it's a lot of self-hate for herself. But yeah, she's really, you know, really horrible. And she's angry all the time. And I've no idea why she's there, to be honest. Um, But her little antics with Eli means that basically they're the first to be taken by the Farmer. Now, the main focus when they're taken is on Devon. I don't know, maybe she deserves it for being such a biatch. And uh, we... (laughs) She doesn't deserve that. You don't deserve that for being a cow. Um, And we truly see then, like, what the killer does to his victims to get him up on the cross and how they end up in that situation. And it really is something that they're going to struggle to get out of. So there's this preparation room. And this isn't where they die. They're just, like, prepped for death before... They go to the field and mount it on the cross. And it's like this barn, this dirty barn. And there's like this dentist style chair, which, you know, as everyone knows, we all love the dentist. And when Devin is placing it, she's unconscious. And this is the moment when we know the person she's dealing with has... Absolutely no chance of being reasoned with. And this scene was quite scary for many reasons. Like, we have this crazy farmer. We know what he's done. So, we know what she's in for. There's this dentist chair and she's tied to it. She's not going to get out of it. And of course, it's isolated. The place is very isolated. No one is going to hear you scream. And also, he has like this belt that he keeps with him. And it's got like various tools in it that aren't really used the way they should be they're like a weapon so you're just basically screwed and most of the time with the farmer we don't see his face all we kind of hear when we know he's approaching is this whistle and then you know you're in for something bad something bad's about to happen and he has quite this look that's a bit weird to be honest with you um I've met some farmers and I've never seen this look. He's got this like opened, dirty, sleeveless type top on, these brown trousers, these dirty boots, this brown hat that covers half his face most of the time. We do see his face at some points, but it's not like they're purposely trying to hide it. But a lot of the time you don't. And he also carries a Sith with him, which he's happy to Is it Sith or Scythe? I never know. He's happy to use it. You know, he either uses it to wound you, to kill you, you know, whatever, whatever's needed at the time. And also he doesn't talk and he doesn't look. So you can't really gauge with him what's going on. You can't reason with him because when, you know, if someone's not giving you anything, there's like no emotion. Whenever he's doing it, there's nothing there whatsoever. It's just like he's going through the motions. This is what you do. And Devon tries... To talk to him. But you can see that he's so far gone in the process of what he's doing that there's just no point. But we never truly get a reason why he's doing it. Now there is a sun that pops up and he kind of touches on it, but not over the top as to why this is going on. And the sun, the sun coming into it was a bit odd and really unexpected. As you know, I, I just wasn't seeing it because at first we see him grab um ash. But he does it in a way that suggests she's being taken, not, you know, warned. So Ash is with Farbesy in the field looking after him because he's hurt himself. And he decides he needs to go to the toilet. Um, and, you know, they show quite a lot, the show quite a lot about showing quite a lot that he's having a poop. You don't really need to know. He could have just gone off. But anyway, so she gets um, she gets grabbed and he explains to kind of Ash, therefore us, like you know, you need to leave, get out of here. And he's not happy about what his father is doing, but he doesn't quite know what to do about it. He doesn't know how to stop it, but he doesn't try to stop it until now. I mean, obviously it would have been better to go to the cops, but, you know, cause he's not going to appeal to his father's good side because, you know, let's face it, he doesn't have one. And from what he said, you get the impression that something happened to his mother slash the farmer's wife on the land but the sun's like it was an accident and it's time for all this to the to the end to end so I think basically the farmer is doing something to these kids because they someone did something to someone he cares about and oh yeah I just remembered actually because in the, in the barn they have like what looks like someone wrapped up in stuff like a cloth and I think that's her so, rid regards, though, to how the characters blend together. To be honest, they don't. They don't really show any emotion, apart from when they're being made into scarecrows. That's the only time, you know, you, you probably get the real them. And, you know, it just comes across, I think, that the, the two lads, they don't really care who the girls are, despite giving one a promise ring. And, like I said, the only one we seem to care about is Ash. And I get kind of why she was the last one. And we do end up, we do end up actually rooting for her. Although when she is taken in, um, she's hiding from the farmer and the son is there. And, you know, keep quiet. She she makes this half-assed attempt to try and rescue Eli. Now I get why she does it, but you know the way there's some situations and you're kind of like, look, you're not getting out of this. You're not getting out of this. So sit there, keep your mouth shut and just get away. Does that make me sound bad? So she's got this little little screwdriver and she tries to attack the farmer, but she does it in such a way where it's just like, that was the most pathetic attempt, you know? And she then ends up in this chair, but the son have, haven't had enough. He lets her go. And because of this, he dies. So, you know, father, as he calls him, is so like, I'm on a mission here and you're my son. But if you get in my way, I'm going to kill you too. So we get Ash, she's the one who we want to survive, she's met the Sun. we get a little bit of background and we see her actually try and survive now at this part when she's managed to get away. Well I say almost survive because this film rips away any hope. You know how much I love a survivor if you've listened to previous episodes but I think with this one it kind of does work um that she doesn't get away um but the way it works is quite infuriating. So basically she's hurt herself and she's got out of the cornfield, but she's crawling towards a car. And, uh, in this car, you know, you can see a fella with a, you know, big smile on his face. So obviously something's happening. You can't see the other person. And, uh, you know, eventually we see this woman's head pop up and she keeps going, I can hear something. I can hear something. Now I'm not being funny. If you're sat in a car and you like, someone goes, I can hear someone screaming you'd look, you'd be like, where, where? But he doesn't. He's so fixed on what she's doing. She must've been really good. He just doesn't even look. And it's like, it's so infuriating because you're just screaming at the screen. Just, will you just look? And, but there's also part of me where I feel like Ash has kind of given up here because I feel like she could have jumped up and hopped and made more of a, more of a noise for herself. And she doesn't. And that's when the farmer just kind of like emerges from the cornfields and we just see her kind of getting dragged back in and I'll be honest with you that bit is terrifying because i think when you watch certain horror films and you see that person get away it was like with the end of um, another film i covered house of a thousand corpses sorry i've just ruined that for people and you know you you think that person's going to get away it's a really old film and they don't and you're just so Convinced. So I always find when they don't that I'm always quite shocked. And she then ends up as well in the cornfield, but she seems really with it, really with it. But as they show her, they show so many other scarecrows. And I'm like, surely somebody must be thinking to themselves, why are there so many scarecrows in this field? You know, it can't, I mean, he is very remote, so I don't know how many people live around there. But yeah, but then I suppose in these types of films, isn't it, it's one of those things where people, they kind of don't take any notice. If you leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. A bit like the the crows, eh? Ooh. So that's basically how it ends. Like she's up there. Like it's quite, like I said, it's quite a short film. But when you see a film called Scarecrows, so you think you're going to get some sort of possessed murder and scarecrow that comes to life and murders any person that crosses its path. But you don't think that the scarecrows are actually people, you know, I, it wasn't something I was expected. And while this film wasn't what I was expecting, there were elements that I felt worked. I did like, I mean, I thought the beginning was a bit slow and all that kind of stuff. And it, of course it was very predictable, but you know, it kind of hyped up towards the end when Ash is like trying to get out of the situation she is and try and get people out. So that part of it worked and I found it quite intense and I found it a bit scary. I also have to say that the posters are really cool. I think whoever did those, especially the one with Ash on it, I really liked that. I thought that was a really good one. Um, but I think they make it look scarier. I think they make the film look scarier than it actually is, which is what I kind of find with a lot of the lower budget films. And also when he does it, when he does get turn them into scarecrows, it's very quick. He acts, injection, the drugs, sews up your mouth, hooks you on a cross in some weird like Jesus-esque crucifixion style uh, and puts you in the ground and buggers off. He That's another thing. He doesn't stick around to see his handiwork. It's like he doesn't revel in the pain and torture of what you're going through. He just walks away. So all four, four people have gone to Scarecrow Heaven unless, actually, unless she gets rescued because there's possibility for her because she's not dead. So maybe we have a Scarecrow 2 coming up. I haven't seen anything, but I think the way she is, there's possibility for her to survive. So uh, let's see. Oh, and don't forget to watch it until the end of the credits because they give you a little bit at the end of it. And that is my little take on Scarecrow's handy film to watch. Just do it if you feel like something easy and uh, yeah, stick with it because the last uh, like half an hour or so is definitely worth it. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. Don't take too much into it. Just it, hangover, hangover uh, film maybe. Anyway, thanks for listening and don't forget to rate and review on iTunes and Podchaser for updates, reviews and behind the scenes. You can follow me on Instagram as Once Upon a Nightmare and Facebook as Once Upon a Nightmare and Twitter as a Nightmare Pod or you can email me. And uh, yeah, I will chat to you again very soon, bye.